1: That's NOom.com to sign up for your trial
2: today. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bob, I wanted to talk to you guys about the MLB Roto Baller Challenge, hosted by our friends at Fantrax and Fantrax.com. Fantrax is the most customizable free fantasy baseball platform in the industry, and that's why we're hosting over our 2022 Roto Baller Challenge over on Fantrax. If you want the greatest fantasy experiments, sign up for a free Roto Baller Challenge team today by going to rotoballer.com backslash challenge. All leagues are free to join and you get to compete against rotaballer writers and readers for a shot at $500 cash grand prize. All new Fantrax users get entered into a free giveaway to win a signed official MLB Wander Franco jersey if you want to get entered to win a Wander Franco jersey and you're new to Fantrax go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba and sign up for your free Fantrax account today once you have your Fantrax account go to rotoballer.com backslash challenge to join the challenge league but go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba to create your Fantrax account be entered to win a Wander Franco autographed jersey but for now welcome to Benched with Bubba Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 446, returning guest to the show, good friend of the show. Uh, it's been a little while, though, unfortunately, but we are uh, ramping up still because every day is another day of waiting for baseball season to begin. <laughs> but uh, we're going to chat up some fantasy baseball here, some DC talk, some OC talk, some super talk, all the NFPC talk. And you can most importantly find this gentleman on Twitter at CTMBaseball, the one, the only, Matt Modica. How are we doing, my friend?
1: Uh, i'll be doing a lot better if at some point today they announce an agreement i mean like we were just talking it's like groundhog's day you get all excited i mean last night when they announced that they didn't have a deal i mean i was just furious i cleaned out my garage got my golf stuff ready you know it's time for young rory to get back in action and hack up some courses out here in jersey yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm with you, man. Like, I literally, when they said there was no Whoa. deal, I just kind of put my laptop away. just kind of, like, walked away <laughs> for a bit. I'm like, this freaking stinks. I just want to get going. We all want it. So, hopefully soon. It seems like it's just kind of minute things, but the owners keep throwing more stuff out there, apparently. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's always follow the money, as they say. Follow the money.
1: Yeah, I they're think they're, they're close enough, though. I
2: mean, I think they are, too. It's just a couple little things that I think eventually eventually some cooler heads have to prevail. Is what
1: and I mean. one last thing. I mean, like, I hear people saying that there's fake deadlines. There really is a deadline because, you know, the calendar is going to work against them at some point. I don't see how it's any time before April 15th. And I'll go to Vegas, as I just tweet it out, and draft that scheduled if it's, you know, 162, April 15th, opening day. No seven double doubleheaders, though. I think that's trash. Yeah. I don't want any part of that. Um, so... I, I think they know the calendars against them and you look, you got to give pitchers. I mean, at least five time weeks. ago, I mean, really they probably need six weeks. I, I don't want to see guys getting injured and stuff like that. So hopefully. Yeah.
2: yeah. We're seeing more and more videos of guys throwing on the side. I think they learned something at least from the 2020 season mm-hmm. of how to kind of prep, but yeah, I'm with you still. Some of these guys don't have the accessibility to be ready. Um, so we'll see how ready they are, but We dealt with it once. Hopefully, we get it again. I'm with you on the April 15th. Like I tweeted it out. I'm not the only one. Many have that. um, You know, it's the Jackie Robinson 75th -hmm. anniversary. As much as people say the owners don't care about money, a they can sell a boatload of stuff that has that logo on it, and it is a very big day. You miss that day, it's uh, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a. That'll have some heat coming down. Let's just put it that way. So we'll see. But I'm with you also. No, I, I can't stand the seven, eight double hitters. No. I just, that it's, not, big, it's not baseball. It, it's yeah. beer league softball. That's not baseball. There you but, go. Um, Perfect. I, I digress. Let's have some fun mm-hmm. here. Let's talk. some. Uh, <laughs> let's talk some NFC For those that don't know Matt, well, you've been living under a rock because they, He's one of the best NPC players out there. A couple of years ago, had a monster season and just crushed it. And um, you're always tweeting things out your team graph paper, which I think is absolutely amazing. I love it. It's, it's aesthetically pleasing to the eye because I have horrible penmanship. And if you just give me like a, a blank page, it's a, there's no uniformity to it, but um I want to talk to you about you do snake drafts, you do auction drafts, you do DCs, you do different mm-hmm. price points. So we're just going to go down the list of kind of how you approach things, because I know you do approach them differently. A lot of guys do based on what's going on. So let's just start with the DCs. That's what everyone's doing. And we're still doing, unfortunately, because we're waiting for the, the call. But uh, there's the 150. That's the basics. There's the 12-team f- the 50s if people want to. But there's 15-team, 150. But then it goes up. You're in the Four Honey a lot. You like that one. Mm-hmm. There's the Super DCs you got coming up this weekend. Um, how do you approach these different price skills differently?
1: Well, I mean, if, you, if we take out price skills, just say, like, you, you are in Tout Wars, right? Yeah. So I think Tout Wars is going to weigh a lot heavier for you than certain other leagues. I'm not saying yeah. you don't care about the other leagues. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if you're in Tout Wars, I, I think you want to win Tout Wars – more than, you know, maybe your home league. I don't know. I'm just, like, trying to give that, for instance. And, you know, throughout a season, if you do a lot of drafts and you have, like, uh, your volume player, you know, certain things, obviously price points are going to affect you. You know, look, if I have a 150 DC that's in contention for an overall, I'm going to pay a lot more attention to that. But if it's not, you know, the higher price points, which I don't think anybody would argue, are – of more importance to me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just with the four honey, I, I just think people say it's incestual. I, I know that's been the, that's been the phrase word that's been getting thrown around, which, which it is there, there are, you know, there's a handful of us that, you know, uh, consistently playing that, but I think that one, it's, it's the closest thing you're going to get to a main event prep. And you, Look, you'll have a. There'll be a, a four hundred where certain players will fall that shouldn't, but that's not the norm. Uh, it's it's a tighter board, uh, and you know you, before you enter any draft, whatever it is, and you get your KDS, which which I think is important. That, the great thing about KDS is you, you're not necessarily getting the pick you wanted, but you have an idea to set yourself up for success in those first five rounds. It's like, you know, you have to have an idea of the foundation. Uh, if you've been, even if you haven't been drafted, but have been studying the ADP and like I said, I try and get it to at least like 10 drafts in like a two or three week period, you know, cause it's all the data is stale anyway. So when you start going back a month or more, I don't think it's uh, effective. You know, you, you, you're dealing with, you know, certain people that are drafting you know, consistently. So they've seen it in real time, but uh, I, I mean, I'm not putting any of it down. And, but like uh, when you go from the 400 to the 1000s, it's, it's, it's a tougher thing. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think there's an, anybody's going to make an argument on that. Um, and then, you know, there's the super DC, which is going to be an insanely tight board. And I'm going to approach that a little different because just, it, it, the I, I have to assume I'm going into that with the idea of the pitching is going to be so tight in that yeah. league,
2: kind of a main um, event style where it gets pushed yeah. up.
1: and, and yeah. especially the thing with the draft champions, you know, the hardest part of that right now is we don't know the majority of the closing situations. We're speculating on you know hopefully educated assumptions. You know, we're saying this guy's got the skills. He should get it versus the guy that doesn't. But, you know, so you got to, you know, there's only, like say, six guys that we think have the job. So those six guys are going to be weighed a lot more heavily right now because there's no fan. There's no in-season pickup. And, you know, a guy like a uh, Rasiali, Iglesias. I didn't say it right. The way Rob Silver says it is just amazing. That's the
2: way I want to say so it. You got to have that Canadian accent, yeah. to it, that French Canadian accent, to kind. Of I got that uh,
1: Brooklyn uh, accent so it still <laughs> works as well. But the whole point of that is, yeah, he's deserving of a third round pick. He's probably returned third round value anyway. But the fact that you're locking that down now, obviously, there's some really good hitters and starting pitchers you're going to pass up. But you know. As you go further down the rounds, those guys, the, the closers aren't there, or at least, you know, the upper echelon closers and stuff like that. Like, there's a difference between Hendricks and Hayter and the guys you're speculating on in the, I don't know, like a, a Corey Canable or somebody like that. There's a huge difference there. Uh, so all saves aren't created equal. But also, too, I mean, what I've found for me, and I'm somebody that's always really liked to build on pitching, but this year, after, like, the top three for me, I'm willing to, you know, maybe grab one in the third or the fourth and then pound it more in that, like, you know, six to ten range There's guys I like or the end of the fifth. Uh, So I'm seeing these really good hitters fall to me in, say, the third or fourth round, then it gets tough. So if you didn't take a pitcher in the first two rounds, you got to at least know the landscape and where you're going to get your pitching. Who are the, say, not the upper echelon closers, but the guys you, you believe in that have the talent, that have done it before, that are in spots that they should – have an opportunity to close. I mean, that's what you're hoping for too—the opportunity. Opportunity is everything in life, in fantasy, in sports. You know, some people get the opportunity and they run with it. Some people fail. You know, just but. So I've been more, I would say, hitting early because I just think that there's just some crazy values now. Obviously, if I get, um, if I, I'm, I'm definitely not opposed to taking a. Cole or a Burns, and, I mean, Wheeler for me is the clear-cut number three just for the strides he's made. I don't know if I'm running on a little
2: too long. So look. No, I'm taking notes. i got tons of questions for you, so we're good. <laughs> if
1: you want to jump in. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's just the things that I've noticed and because I, I don't think there's a lot of separation, you know, from certain tiers after, after the high-end
2: guys yeah we're, we're we have a lot of similar thoughts on the draft at least let's put it that way cuz <laughs> um in years past i would be more inclined to make sure i get, got an ace in the first few rounds maybe even pocket aces because there's, things change so much but i feel that kind of second grouping and even like the third grouping after that it's so much larger with so many viable like in games you can see where things work out well compared to previous years like they all have road bumps that's why they're not going so early but there's a lot more feasibility you can see with things kind of panning out where I'm, i am going a lot more hitter heavy this year for sure get those steals where you can because that dries up so quick we're starting pitching you can kind of navigate uh, if you are going hitting early though kind of what you were saying with the closers have a plan because you're not gonna you're gonna be have to kind of navigate the canables of the world sodos of the world and that kind of deal which makes things interesting but going back to what you said about kds i love the term straight butter as <laughs> you guys say um, <laughs> yeah. it's it's because that's what i've been doing all season and i heard you say it i think it was on rob's show or, uh, no, it was MLB moving average, um, with Big John Stud, And, um, I thought it was perfect because the way the first round opens up these days, it is kind of like, okay, you got the big elite stolen base guys early. You got this middle area where you can probably go starting pitching. Then you got these kind of outfielders that are good, but they're not obviously the top of the board. It's just, it's a weird dynamic. Um, so are you still just going straight butter everywhere or are you mixing it up? How are you doing that?
1: I've been basically just – I leave it straight butter for the fact that early on I was getting like 10 to 15 consistently. Uh, and then I was getting pretty much like 1 to 5 for like two or three of them. But I've gotten some 7, 8. So it hasn't been where I'm just getting one side of the board. Okay. Obviously, if it was I'm just getting all like top three picks – then I would start moving it around because it's you're starting to look at a different player pool from each end of the draft. I mean, it's just how it falls in most instances, at least early on. And so, I mean, for me, I I think you have to ask like questions. Like, I think an honest question in the in the last 1,000 uh, DC that I'm in, I think we're still in the 22nd round or whatever. I had the fourth pick. And for me, it's, you know, Turner, Tatis, Cole, top three, however you want to put them. And uh, I don't think Burns is far out from there. I mean, just look what the guy's done. Look what he did in 167 innings last year. He struck out 234 batters. You know, I may be off, you know, one or two here or there, but it wasn't really a big difference from what, what Garrett Cole can deliver. So in, in that one, I, I went Burns at four. What my mindset was, but see, I had a plan. Mm-hmm. Burns, I, I, he, to me, is one of the supreme aces. I think that's, you know, Captain yeah. Obvious. Everybody's on that. He's, he's a consensus top two pitcher. So my, my mindset there is when I'm picking in the second round, whatever that is, like 26th, mm-hmm. I have a good shot at, say, a Tim Anderson. So I'm looking at, is it better to start with Bo Bichette and the best available pitcher there, or is it better to start with Burns and say Tim Anderson? I mean, Tim Anderson might not make it back there. Yeah, but but it's, a, it's, Anderson, a
2: good, it's a good point though, for but sure. Tim it's,
1: Anderson does make yeah. it to, you know, the fifth pick of the third round. Uh, and I've gotten that a couple of times in, in, the, in the last two weeks. So it's not like yeah. it doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so, I, and, and I didn't even take Anderson in the in the end of the second round because there was enough hitters that I was willing to gamble. I'd get one of them come that pick in the, uh, whatever it was, 3-4. So I took Josh Hader because he was there. Again, I got my lockdown guy. I've done enough of these where I know how the board's going to shake and who to get later on, you know, how, how I got to build it. And you know Tim Anderson was there for me, so it worked out. Did I get a little lucky? Yeah, but you know if Tim Anderson wasn't there, I I wasn't done because there was a couple of guys that I was comfortable with at that sparked at that part to start off with my hitting foundation. So I mean that's just an approach. I'm not saying it's the right approach. That's the approach that that's just the way I looked at it. Yeah. You know somebody might say you're a fool. You should no. stop shit. And you know, go from there, which is fine. You know, I, I don't say that I'm right and you know, anything like that. You do what works for you. Like, yeah. I, I've i done enough drafts and uh, with, with the Tyler Jones, with like Phil I can't do their method. Their method is yeah. pretty similar, you know, where in the first four rounds they got two closes, a starter and a hitter, yep. and that works for them. He's, you know, I Casey Chas said Phil, uh, said Tyler Jones, the best. Draft champion's probably last year when we were having dinner in Vegas. And I agree with him. You. you know, I've, I've seen enough of what he did and what he did yep. last year, too, to even confirm that. And we all know what Phil did last year. So, you know, you can't do I, – I, I guess what I'm trying to say is don't copy other people's, you know, strategies if you can't
2: execute that. Exactly. That's the you biggest know, thing. It's, yeah.
1: it's like the get-rich-quick. You know, you want to try and you hear somebody promote a stock or a player. You know, it's yeah, we, we,
2: we all know, like you know, Jung and Phil. And I even told Toby on our last podcast, we started doing starting pitchers. So, of course, pocket aces comes up because that's what he does. And I said, I, I draft next to him this weekend in a draft, I draft next to him before. And I said, I know what you're pretty much coming out of your first five rounds with. Mm-hmm. I know just know that that's what you're going to do. Does it mean I can draft like you? No, because what you do from round like six on, you're much smarter. Like you're you have your method to your madness. That's way different, and it doesn't work for me. And that's why I don't draft that way. But um, we can all, like they say, there's many ways to skin a cat. Yeah, but, I mean, Toby's been very
1: successful yeah, at that. He's very he, good at it.
2: It's not like
1: he's just randomly doing it. It's exactly. something he's been doing yeah. for a couple of years, and it, it's worked for him. It and works should, for him. He should continue to do it. You know, Yeah, and that's I mean, the thing
2: but it's like you were mentioning with the KDS and then a lot of that comes out to is you, you plan out your first five rounds and uh, it's a great strategy. I've had Bloomfield on talking about building backwards to kind of plan out your draft. Jenny Butler talks about the the different flow charts to things, just just the, whatever you need to do to, like you said, kind of see where things land. You just kind of talked it out with, okay, if I go Cole here, then I go Anderson or if I go Cole and then I go Hader and then I go here. That's just kind of planning your draft. How does things set up to set my base up? To go forward, that gives you a good team because they say you can't win a draft early, but you can sure lose it if you start making a bad decision and start like putting the wrong roster construction right out the gate. So if you start throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks, you're going to be in trouble. So when you're doing these different price ranges, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I just wanted to ask. So you got your 150s, you got the four honeys, the thousand, so on. Are you using the 150s more of an experiment to kind of see like different strategies to see how they play out in different formats that you can fine tune it? Because it is 100% accurate. The higher price range you go. Like, I did an know C the other night. It was the first one of this season that mm-hmm. I've done. And it was, like, a whole other zip code of things going off the board. Like, I knew the player pool, so it wasn't like the end of the world. But it was just, like, you're seeing dudes hop 40 picks early. You're seeing, like, I had my queue set up thinking, okay, I'm good. Nope, not good. But you have backup plans because you know what you're doing. But – are you using the 150s kind of for that idea? Uh,
1: I did, I signed up for my first 150 the other night. Uh, I was excited. I thought we were getting a deal. And uh, I, I, I know the super's coming up, so I wanted to, you know, I I, I don't want to stop now, like right before the Super, like yeah. take a week off. I want to continue to be into that. And it just fell in – I got the number one pick in the 150, and I wound up going five uh, – was it four straight hitters? No, no, five straight hitters and two pitchers, I believe. So, you know, that's just how it felt. But I knew once I took the, uh, you know, two hitters at, say, the 4-5 turn, I'm going to be pounding pitching. I, you know, I'm probably taking, like, five straight pitchers, which will include a closer or two in there, probably two closers. So, I mean, that's a mindset you have to be willing to, to you know, do and actually execute it because there's going to be hitters you're going to like there. But you got to get that pitching. Like you've sacrificed some higher end guys, so now you got to build on volume. In in, yeah. in my opinion,
2: especially in uh, the DC, you know.
1: And there's guys, yeah. So especially in the DC, but there's guys that you know I'm comfortable with there. You know, I think people know I'm a real big uh, Tyler Rogers fan. Mm-hmm. Like he's the guy that I I I, I want to get, and I'm not afraid to you know move him up. He's a guy I think you know. Even if he gets traded at some point, whatever, I'm not going to worry about that. You get me, you know, 20 or so saves and you give me the ratios, yep. I'm good. Uh, he's not a lot to do all that, but in my e- educated assumption. Well, we've seen that, him do
2: it. We know he can yeah. do it. Like, unlike some of these other speculative guys, like, we know what he can do given the case.
1: And I think last year he had some really good skills. Yep. So that's, you know. It's, you have to be able to if if you're going to see at certain points where say you 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 wanted two pitchers in the first five rounds, but it just fell where maybe those pitchers that were there at the four or five turn, you didn't see much of a difference than who would be there at say the six seven. Mm-hmm. So now you got to make that you know agreement with yourself that you got to start pounding pitching, and you got to you know you know what guys are going to be there. And there's enough guys that you could fill in, say, five starters or three starters and two closers in those next five rounds. So, I mean, I I think it's a mindset. And I I think you always have to be audible. Because once you go from the D.C. to, like you said, the O.C. and even, like, the main offense, the ADP is, in some sense, is going to be useless because guys are going to be jumping. You know, the there are guys going to be jumping for their player, and I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it's rightfully so. If you're on like one end of the board where that guy's not coming back, and your research tells you that's your guy, you know, that's Take the him. guy that you know you should be taking. I don't have a problem. With that. I don't celebrate min picks. Yeah. Uh, I don't celebrate max picks neither
2: because then you could be
1: saying, why is this guy falling?
2: Yeah. And, and why and, didn't know? I take him earlier? Like why, why, why did I, why is all, why do all of a sudden I like him just because now he's a max pick. Yeah. That's one so, of those, that's a great discussion for, you know, for a whole other time. Yeah, yeah. It's like you talk about, I'm not, I don't want to draft this guy, but oh, now he's worth the price. Well, why is he worth the price now? <laughs> so, yeah. but, um. Well, r- real quick, one thing you were saying, and you just mentioned it with the ADP, and first off, you said you jumped on that 150. Like, I literally had a, in the shower this morning, I was like, I have nothing going, no, none going right now, like, no slow drafts. And that's not normal because I, I wanted to just keep the brain moving. Like <laughs> yeah. you said. And, but, but what I was going to ask you with this, this ADP thing, and you talked about jumping into different formats, but just in general, like when we do a, uh, the DCs and just any draft and old format, and we start early, like November, December, January, whatever. We're doing them because usually there's a never changing landscape because of moves or news Mm -hmm. or that or there. There, And that's what you're trying to keep yourself fresh and in tune with going into the big season. We don't have any of that right now. So how are you? I know you're obviously prepping by trying different strategies, but how are you doing things with the non-changing ADP kind of planning for all hell to break loose pretty soon? (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, there's going to be significant, uh, you know, some guys are going to really get buoyed by, you know, where they sign or if they get traded to. Other guys are going to get hurt. You know, other guys, at least the perception will be their prices are going to fall. So it's it, that's been the most difficult part about it. But, I mean, honestly, if you live in the East Coast, in January and February especially, are just miserable yeah. months, you know, it's dark, it's cold. So this is what this is what keeps me going. Once football, you know, once fantasy football season ends, I gotta have something that I am doing fantasy wise. That's fair. I do love the prep too. But you look at it like look at the guys later on in drafts. I mean, people might not like these guys, but I look at you know I am looking at guys that say a guy that doesn't have a home right now. a free agent, Jorge Soler. Uh, his last four months, his last 400 plate appearances, he had a walk percentage above 12, a strikeout percentage below 20. He's put up a 48 home run season like just two years ago, if I'm correct. Uh, where he lands is going to be, you know, could be a, a real boom to him or it, it could hurt him, but he's a guy that I've been taking. A guy, I, I like that. I've seen that progression. It's a small sample. I'm not saying it could hold. But if he's you know two fifty ish, if he gets to that range and he's hitting forty plus bombs, I'm all in. You know, I'm, you know that's a profile. But I don't know where he's going. But it's yeah. not scaring me away.
2: Really. That's he, him, like guys like Eddie Rosario. Uh, Eddie Rosario there's, yeah. there's a handful of those guys that you sit there and you stare at them in a draft, going, "I know for a fact when this ends and they sign their name on a dotted line somewhere." They're jumping a couple rounds, maybe four, or five rounds, it depends on where they land, obviously. But they're jumping, and so that's where you kind of take it's the gamble. But it's a risk it's too, it's like you it's said. It's if they all of a sudden, you know, what if Solaire shows up in uh, Tropicana? I'm not saying the Rays will sign him, but mm-hmm. just goes in a situation like that or Texas. We know that ballpark doesn't play loud. Like those kind of things makes it a little more intriguing. So. Um, it's the risk reward. The risk usually outweighs the reward for the most part. Then again, we don't know what baseballs are using because screw the MLB. So, like, we have. So I things.
1: think those are really the two biggest questions for me. Like, what ball are we using? Like, just come up with one ball and just keep one standardized baseball. I don't think that's too difficult to come up with. And, is there going to be a sticky surface that's allowed yeah. by the league? Which I think they've got to come up with something. Something.
2: Well, there's the yeah. ball they've all talked about. They use it over in, uh, I think it's Japan or KBO. They used it in the Olympics. It's got pre-stick on it. They, like Joe Ryan used it in the Olympics, said it was amazing. Best baseball he's ever thrown. So it's like, let's just use that. Simple. Yeah. Problem I mean, solved.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, that's a lot of things. And obviously, if they ban the shift and, you know, the players that got hurt by the shift, obviously you got to take a look at them.
2: There's some interesting names on some of those lists. I don't know <laughs> if you've looked at them, but some very in- interesting names on those lists. So,
1: I mean, it's, it's really – it just it, – it's interesting. It's exciting because a lot can change even now. The, the, the two months I did, I just don't want to be playing 120-game season and 7 doubleheaders. Yeah. I, I want regular baseball. Uh, I mean, everything was understandable with 2020. And, but let's try and get, like, the seasons back and everything rolling – as usual
2: when you're transitioning from your dcs to your fab leagues your ocs your main events uh, and whatnot um i'm assuming for the most part your roster construction idea is the same obviously depth is different in the two Mm -hmm. formats and you're willing to take a few more chances in different 12s and verse 15s and whatnot but as you're starting to make that transition pretty much once they say we're gonna have opening day boom you're gonna start hitting the fab maybe a little harder how do you kind of transition your draft style or your player pool uh kind of approach
1: um, let me see how I can answer this and make it sound like
2: make it sound sensible. It's, tough. it's not easy. I yeah, know, but no, it's, it's just it's like tough. I know you do so many of them. So you're wiping
1: out that yeah. depth factor where you know you don't need to be too deep with every like you know. In, in a draft champion, you want to be three or four deep. So you know those guys that you're taking at the corners and the middles. You know, I I, I think maybe the pitching becomes more flexible, but I I think it's identifying. The core guys you'd like to build with, seeing where you can get them and having to maybe move them up a a little opposed to the ADP that's now. And how are you going to build? I think the critical part is those rounds 10 to 20. You know, maybe the guy that's going in round 17 in draft champions is going in the 15th round or the end of the 14th round. So you have to be able to know that, make those adjustments. And is that guy worth that price at that point? You know, obviously, if it's a different price, is 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 that, you know, considering the format and stuff, you know, is that guy that can give you the 280 average with 17 home runs, a handful of steals, you know, that was going later, but can actually help your team and help solidify some things where you can take some, you know, other risk on some players that, say, have speed but don't have the average and stuff like that. I I don't think I really was great on explaining I I, I understand
2: it, at least. I I get (laughs) get, get, what you're saying. I
1: I, I think examining the middle of the draft Mm -hmm. and knowing where you're going to get your pockets of whatever you need, you know, whoever your guy is. Like Colton Wong, if you're a Colton Wong guy, Mm -hmm. and you see he's got an 11th round ADP, it's probably going to be a 10th round ADP in the uh so if you're waiting for you know pick one you know 69 you you know maybe when you're if you're picking at 157 you should be taking them there
2: yeah pretty much anyone with uh the upside of like 15-ish stolen bases is getting pushed up just Mm because that's just the nature of the beast like there's no there's no rhyme or reason but that's one that stands out guys that um Starting pitching, I was you like know, innings those, eaters later on. Like they might not be the most efficient innings eaters, but they have K upside or something. Or mm-hmm. they'll, they'll go there. You'll see, like you mentioned, um, you like uh, well. There's like the Baz's of the world. There's the Ryan's of the world. You might see moving a little differently based on some of the people in the I, draft. I think
1: that's important. I, I think the the pitching that you can kind of wait on, like these guys that you're willing to take a shot that they take that next step or they figure it out. That we're going whatever the 18th to 20th round they won't be going in the 18th and 20th round because yeah. people will be looking to grab them in the 16th round or vice versa. You know, They're going to move up a couple of rounds and stuff like that. So I, I think it's just paying attention. And I'm not saying – you should, ADP to me is just a guide. It's just yes. an idea of where the market's saying these guys are going.
2: Expected ranges.
1: And then you, you got to fill in the uh, you know you got to fill in the last piece. And, is my work getting pushed up? And you know how you know if 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 I went with this, I I think Bloomfield does it. A lot of people do it. You know, having a couple of guys each round options, yep. So you're not like stuck. I I think is you know a, a good deal for even people that are just starting. Just, just so you, you you don't put yourself in like oh my god I gotta have this guy, yep. and then you start like panicking and stuff.
2: Like like one thing I did because I've talked to to many people about it this year is th- my big uh, prep this off season is roster construction Focus so much more on roster construction not just knowing the stats and the guys that can perform but just know how to build a team, and um, so like when I do drafts now I have my the, the draft board and I have a, a healthy queue and then I always have my roster board up on the other page so like you can see when someone quote unquote snipes you or whatever. Like where do I have to start making sure I fill things because, you know, position A starting to deplete or position B, whatever. Just ways to think about it. So that's why I think those mid-rounds are huge, as you mentioned. And one thing I would suggest to people is know your risk tolerance because depending on your league format, those last 10 picks or whatever, you can start kind of taking gambles or building comes kind of depth or something, but know that part of the draft a bit as well. but Well, um, here's
1: an important thing with a 15-teamer. Yeah, uh, you, you're probably going to walk out of the draft, you know, deficient in one area. It's a 15 team, you know. Yeah. As much as you want to be well rounded and balanced, you're going to try and get as close to that as possible throughout the draft. And the you know, Fab is so important. I try and build uh, a, a a team in in say my head or, or or what I've come to think about. Hold on, I got this thing making. It- you know trying to think about oh what happened here i don't know what i just did bubs you're fine uh, you're fine on my end okay okay we're back i'm sorry i don't no know what the hell happened but I, I try and build a good team basically is you know you build a good team and then you can fill in the you can fill in the pieces throughout the season. Obviously you, you can't have a team with 20 stolen bases. because yeah. no You're one. just done. Or the same thing with like 20 saves. I, I'm not looking to punt anything. I mean, at a point in the season, if you have to punt the category, sometimes you have to do it. But I'm just trying to build a good team. And whatever deficiencies I walk away from, I'm going to try and be cognizant. That's what I'm going to focus on in fab early on to try
2: and rectify that situation um when you're drafting obviously there's the overall component where you need to just hit the nuts more often than not and run pure or there's you could just some guys like to say screw it i just want to win my league like we've talked about it with some of the dcs like the higher price points i'm focused more so at least i don't i think we talked about i know i talked about with others that sometimes you're as focused on winning that league because if i win that league then it covers everything else and i can Mm -hmm. take my chances elsewhere there's a great strategy behind that it's called like you know risk tolerance and risk like that whole deal but um when you are drafting Are you one, and maybe it's different from draft to draft, but are you one to be more like a risk taker or are you more of a Dave Potts, let's build something boring and be successful in that aspect of it?
1: I mean, I'll always add some risk. Sometimes it's too risky. Like last year, I just went too heavy on Tyler Glass now.
2: Mm -hmm. That looked great for a little while. Yeah,
1: and it was a concern going you know prior to the season. And that bit me in the ass, but, you know, I mean – it, when it works out, it's great. This year, I'm just trying to have um, you know my core guys. I, I don't have a list where I scratch guys off. Yeah. I don't need a list because I just do enough drafts where yeah. I know I've never taken this guy. That's pretty much, I so, if you've done like ten or twelve drafts, and this guy is not on you your you have team, your
2: players pretty much. You, like know, you have your crew.
1: Yeah. So for me, I'm always going to take on some risk. Cause I, I, think that's how you get, you know, some really nice, uh, returns on investment. Yeah. The key uh, is managing it. Like yeah, how you, you yeah. know, you can't go. And like I said, last year was a, uh, was a reinforcement of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that's what someone even asked me. I wrote a risk reward article recently for like some hitters and someone goes, well, what if I took all these guys? I said, you'd probably be in trouble and they said why i said they're risky for a reason like it's like playing the lotto if you're gonna draft seven risky guys you have to hit on all seven that's asking a lot Drafts one or two you might be able to get it done but you never know uh you mentioned you know in a 15 team league, you're gonna be deficient somewhere like you don't want to have 20 steals but you're gonna be deficient somewhere and that's common yes very very good point um are you one of those that has like the 80th percentile? Like I know you got the graph paper, so I doubt it, but you never know. Um, do you like? Are, do you have a are you a running log of kind of projections as your stats on your team as you're building, or do you just kind of know what you're doing and it's kind of at the back of your mind?
1: I I'm gonna be honest. I'm kind of old school, and I'm there's saying, no. I'm I, I tried the computer in Vegas one year, and I I screwed something up and it screwed up my whole thing. Yeah. So I just have the 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 either graph paper or the sheet they give you and I, I just write down the players I know in my head you know what those guys do where I'm at I mean it's not an exact number That's kind but of right. for me I, I just can't do it you know I'm I'm honest with myself I I've tried it and I screwed it up and it was a miserable experience so you know. Mm, Maybe it's just from having the background or working on a trading floor and doing, you know, crazy numbers in my head and stuff like that, trading large v- volumes of stock. But it's something that I'm 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 more comfortable. I mean, we'll have I'll have my computer up, yeah, say what, you know, the if I aggregated some projections and then tweaked them with with that kind of stuff. Or as you mentioned before, like you have to be you have to be aware of you know, when certain positions or certain tiers are going off the board. Yeah. And if the guy is ADP is a little, you know, didn't say to take him there, well, you're not getting him if, if you don't take that guy there. So are, are, you, are you comfortable with missing that last pitcher in your tier or that last second baseman? You know, it's just things you, you have to be aware of as the draft's going on. And every room is going to be different there's always going to be something crazy that happens at a main event in Vegas. Like, Holy shit. This guy fell to a pick 17. Usually happens to Vlad, our boy, Roto gut. He's usually the, the, the (laughs) the (laughs) but uh, so, I mean, those are just things. I, I, I think it's just, you know, after doing so many, I think you just get a feel, you get a comfort level and you're still going to make mistakes. Like my, one of my biggest goals every draft is not to make that one mistake. Cause I think, you know, I, I think we're all kind of, uh, we all kind of faulted and some people are more disciplined, but sometimes, you know, if you can avoid making that one mistake in the first half of your draft, I, you know, believe it or not, it might sound a little silly, but I think that pays huge dividends. No, it does.
2: And, <laughs> That's why I guess sometimes to avoid that huge mistake, you take the safer pick sometimes, which in the end can still be a mistake because you passed up on so and so. But um, there are definite points to that for sure, and uh, I'm with you. Like I've tried the computer, like I get it, I, it's there. But I kind of I do all this work and I have it in my head, and it's I got enough going on in my one minute time or whatever to uh, to, to do things and click a bunch of buttons. But yeah, I mean, like it works, Rotolab's it works for some. Yeah, Rotolab's I,
1: awesome. I, I yeah. And I'll 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 play around with it in like the preseason, but yeah. The draft, slow drafts,
2: I, I can do it. The fast drafts, it's a little different.
1: Yeah. I, I, I just can't. And you know, maybe that's a, you know, an error on, on my end. Yeah, I'd, say, but, I'd say you're
2: doing just fine. But you <laughs> um, when you mentioned like uh, aggregate projections and whatnot, which projections do you prefer? Do you like, or which ones do you put together? What's your uh, focus on looking at those?
1: Uh I mean, the bat X I like, uh, I, I, I think most people, are big on that for hitting uh i think what rudy does with steamer you know Mm -hmm. is really good so i like to put that in there as well uh and i even put todd zola's master balls in there as well because a lot of people in the nfpc subscribe to todd Mm -hmm. and you know and it, it just balances it out uh if i was just looking at straight projections and I wasn't aggregating anything. It'd be like, you know, the bad X and like the steamer projections or just use Rudy's, uh, how he tweaks the playing time, like the at-bats and in the innings pitched. But I think you just, you know, you have to be kind, cogn- you have to have an idea of the player and what, what the, an honest assessment, like honestly, you, you can look at some of these uh, projections. You're like, wow, this guy this guy looks great. But in reality, what's the chances he's going to hit that? I mean, yeah, is it an 80% chance he hits that? A 50% chance he hits that? So I, I, I think just being truthful with yourself. I mean, everybody wants to look at the up-end projection, you know, or, or the guy's upside. But, you know, sometimes, you know, those guys like Nolan Arenado, and I'm not a big old, old, uh, Nolan Arenado guy. I like him a lot more, say, in the draft champions. Yeah. But knowing you're getting that 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, and you know, there's something about that that that's you know, especially in that format, that really
2: helps. you. Team you boring know. that plays a lot of games, it goes very well. And like, that's one of the hardest things that <laughs> I, I think has made me a better player is learning that kind of stuff. Because when you first start out, it's like just Arenado sucks. Like I want to watch something else. Like he's he doesn't do it for me. He doesn't move the blood pressure at all. Yes. But like him, Goldie, like they're the perfect combo on that team. They're just – it's Not almost sexy, so you plug it in. Yeah. But,
1: you know, at the end of the day, they,
2: they, 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 they
1: give you what you need. Yep. You know, so, I mean, I like to look at the projections. I don't do the rolling graphs. Okay. I'm more of a game log guy, like where yeah. I'll set up for – especially for pitchers and, and for hitters too. But I'll look at – you know, we'll use a Patrick Sandoval guy. guy I have tons of shares of him. And he had, I think – a. 10-11 game stretch last year where he averaged six innings pitched, had a swinging strike rate of over 15. Now, obviously, he got hurt. I think the breakout was getting interrupted. So there's risk there. He hasn't done it, you know, say over 160, 180 innings. But I'm looking at somebody that put together a couple of months of, like, dominance. You know? So, I, I mean... A guy like that is somebody I'm willing to take the risk on. You know, the, you have to, That's a profile that I like. <laughs> you know, the walks need to improve a little, but he's still young. He's still figuring it out, and uh, you know, that's what I'm looking at. Or, like I mentioned, the Jorge Soler thing. Or you look at on a per plate on a per plate basis, an AJ Pollock. Now you can't bank AJ Pollock for more than 400 at bats or whatever. You know, in in a season. But his last, I think, what is it, uh, 632 at-bats or plate appearances. I I believe it's plate appearances. He has 37 homers, 110 (laughs) runs batted in or something like that, and a 290 batting average.
2: It's pretty darn good.
1: On on a per plate, and then if you're adding in the DH, which could maybe help him. But I'm not going to say he's going to do that. But if he does 22, 7, 280, the 14th round, I think that's pretty damn good. Yep. What's the possibility of some upside?
2: Yeah, I'm with you. Like, there's a bunch of guys like that. I'm, that's the other thing is you kind of have to – yes, guys are going to be injury prone, but it's like in that sample size, is it good enough that you can re- replacement values there? And it's tough in an NPC because there's no IL spots, so I get that that makes things tricky. Are you going to hold them and, and play the game? But um, guys like Pollock, and then there's other guys which I don't want to take risks, but Pollock is a great name to kind of think about – Yes, you might only play 400 games, but what if he runs hot? Because that's 2020 season when they had the DH. He played, I think, like 53 games of the 60. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot better than 120 of 162. And you start throwing that kind of factors in there. Maybe they can baby him because, like, him and Justin Turner, should get a lot of love, maybe Muncie, but they'll rotate it around to keep him fresh. So now what if he plays 140 instead of 120, mm-hmm. like you said? So it starts to give you that next yeah, step. Yeah, and, with and that I don't really go to that. That, to me, is, like, the bonus, Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. in your That's head, right. if like if you if you're deciding between two players at a certain point, you, you can kind of use a deciding factor of well, this next step could be tremendous type situation. You mentioned Fab a few times. You know, we got Roto Gut. We can just go look at Vlad's paper mm-hmm. and figure all that which out, I, which good. I highly recommend. Yeah, it's the go-to standard. Like I subscribe to like HQS and all those different ones, but. Vlad's the one I looked at for fab I'll just that's pretty much the only one I'll peruse some others just in case I missed something but just not on Vlad's paper I'm probably not going to matter but um how do you approach your your fab process I know we've kind of talked about it in the past but how how do you approach things
1: uh I mean I'll I'll be aggressive on certain guys early because if I think they can really be difference makers for say the next five months and I can have them on my squad but in general uh, I know, I know like last year I started off so bad at one point I thought it was gonna be a total disaster thank God it wasn't but <laughs> it definitely wasn't my best year but uh, it, it, it depends on your team too when you when you need to you know when people when you, when you got to fill in the at bats and and, and and the innings pitch you you have to be aggressive sometimes. I think one of the things that Phil does so well is his, you know, willingness to cut guys. You know, maybe sometimes I've, I've held on a little too long, but, you know, hopefully now we we, we get this 162. Like I said, I'm not adversely taking shots early, but I'm going to try and be a little more uh, conservative overall with the Fab. And take the shots when I think it's really worth it. But again, you got to play it out how it starts. If you, if, you're, if you if you got hit with a bunch of injuries in the first month or two, you know you're going to have to spend some money and, and fill these in, and you're going to have to make the difficult cuts. Because I mean, it, it it could be six weeks in where you're making some really yeah. tough uh, decisions. And I, I don't have a I don't think there's an a, a, a one size fits all answer. It's on a team per team basis. Um, what you need. I mean, one of the things I like to do at like around the, after the all-star break is try and build a bench for say like the last six weeks. Cause I'm never the guy that has a ton of money in September. I mean, maybe that's why I got a lot of second place finishes. I don't have it, but you know, sometimes you won't be there. If, 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 if you don't spend when you need, but I've I've, I've had uh, seasons where I've been able to build good enough benches for that stretch run, and it, and, it, and it's really paid off well. So I I think you got to look at it on a team per team basis. Uh, you needs. and you got like Roto Guts thing, which is just fantastic to just use as a guide. I'm not saying you got to use a guide. it. Yes. Everybody else is looking at it too. Yep.
2: So you know if he's saying eighty
1: four dollars on a guy, and you really want him you know, you, you're going to have to move that up.
2: Yeah. The biggest thing I, I look at his for is I, I get, am I missing players? Like, am I going through my process? Cause he's, he combs everything. So that, that's where I really like to use him. Cause I, I'm, I, I like to think I'm on top of things doing a lot, but there's always something that slips through the cracks. That's just being human. It's, so it's, it's, good to have that.
1: it's always great when you get that guy, like the week before.
2: Yes. Like
1: the out, And you got that guy. And the next week, all you hear up leading up to the next fan. Is everybody talking about that guy? So that's really digits, like, no. it's like, you know, whether it's the closure in waiting or, or the hitter that's starting to get the playing time, when you can be that week ahead, I mean, just the money you saved and, you know, just the benefit to your team is yep. fantastic.
2: 100%. Um, last question I have uh, on this strategy section here. Auction versus snake. Uh most people I'd say do snake, I could be wrong, but there's a lot of auctions. I've seen you guys have an auction seed Obviously, there'll be auction mains and supers and all that good stuff coming up. Um, I've heard the 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 product on NPC is great because you guys did one, I think, the other night in like two to three hours, which is for an yeah, auction it, it, outstanding. Because usually auctions take six hours or so, and I just I can't do that. That's just too much. But i like a three hour auction, I can handle that. How does your approach to players? Because obviously in a snake draft, you kind of have to deal with how the draft goes. Auction, you can walk in there and go, hey, I want blah, blah, blah for X amount of dollars and at least kind of get your core. How do you uh, differentiate between the two formats?
1: Uh, I find I'm much better when I'm more aggressive early in, in, in the auctions. It's just, you know, the, the last one we did, I, I was too conservative and I kind of let pull hit or get a lot of my guys, a lot of my pitchers at least. <laughs> I was pretty pissed off about that. And I mean, maybe it's the gummy I took prior. At <laughs> yeah. But I think you can map it out. You know, what are the guys you're interested in? Who's your foundation pieces? Obviously, I don't care. They say, well, you can get whoever you want to get. You really can't. I mean, unless you want to just blow all your money and have, like, a couple of studs. But, you know, you need to know. If Fernando Tatis is going to be about $50, and you don't want to spend more than 45 Most likely, you're not getting Tatis. So, I, I think writing out or however you do it, putting it on a Excel, you know, Couple of your foundation guys, and, and then your pitching. What is your pitching budget? I mean, mine's usually going to be heavier uh, on the on the pitching side. But you know, how are you going to break that down? And you got to be willing at times to go a dollar or two more. In, in my opinion, because then you wind up settling for somebody else. And sometimes you got to spend an extra dollar or two anyway because there's nobody else left. And I think that's the worst feeling in uh in an auction is when you're you know. You're buying those guys that were ten dollars for fifteen, yeah. when well, you know I'd rather spend the extra couple of dollars on the you know, you know those twenty-five to and up guys. You know, sometimes I mean, sometimes you got to do it. You, you I think, what the auction too is, you just got to be paying attention early. You know, if the money's just getting spent crazy, um, you know, there's going to be a point where. It, it, it's, it's got to come back to earth because, you know, there's only a certain amount of dollars. But I, I've i noticed, I think sometimes early on, you get some of the best buys because people still are to see, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, maybe if you throw out burns before coal goes out, you might get them for a dollar or two cheaper because they don't know what, what coal's price is going to end up being. Or somebody wants to buy coal instead of burns, just a, just the for instance. I mean, it's something that I've noticed. It's not every time that's gonna happen, but I do think you get so you get a, you get some small discounts early on. Nah,
2: it know. makes a lot of sense. It makes tons of sense. So yeah, it's it's fun to watch. I keep saying I need to jump in one one of these days and and, and get the get the feet wet. But you know,
1: uh, uh Zach Waxman, he's in the you know, he's 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 in those all the time.
2: He's in every like draft.
1: I said, it's uh I, I have to say the the software is fantastic. Again, like I said, if, if something did happen to get screwed up in the auction and it was the software's fault, well just you, know, you get stopped and then you just yeah. rebuild. That I'm gonna be, to be honest with you. I did two so far this year. It hasn't happened and I don't remember it happening in the, yeah. you know in in a very long time, put it that way.
2: Awesome, awesome. Let's talk some NPC debates, some player debates and mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, kind of close comparisons. You talked about how you like to look at, you know, the logs and everything. You can see kind of things that stand out differently that maybe separate things or wh- however you do your process. So I picked a handful of these that have been kind of popular names that have been thrown around this draft season. And we'll start at the first base position. You got Reese Hoskins versus Josh Bell. Hoskins keeps moving up the draft boards, which I do not appreciate. Not helping me out at all because I've been team Reese for quite some time, and this is not fun. Um, He's around pick one twenty six over the last couple weeks. Where um, Josh Bell's around pick one thirty three over the last couple weeks. But it depends on who you talk to. Like our buddy Fish, I talked to Fish, and he loves Hoskins too. But he's got Bell a lot closer than I do to Hoskins. How do you go about these two? Uh, I mean, I I think they're both good. Uh, The
1: problem with Josh Bell is you know you hit like 25 fly balls yeah. and you you know doesn't matter if you're hitting the ball you know 50 percent or harder it's just you got to get that ball in the air and we saw what, what everybody had the 37 home runs a couple of years back I, I think he's more of that 27 home run guy uh probably comes with a better batting average than a, than a reese hoskins I think Hoskins has the uh, greater home run potential. I love if if he's going to be batting second behind Gene Segura and in front of uh, Bryce Harper with Riamuto behind him. Okay. That's a pretty nice place to live. And we yeah. saw last year how he started off slow, if I remember correctly, and then he was like a house of fire and then he got injured. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think you're getting a, a really good batting average with him. But I, I just think the all the other stuff is, is going to be there as far as, you know, the, the homers, the RBIs, the runs, like that whole, you know, you're getting that three-pack there. So, for me, it's really close. I think it's more what you're comfortable with here. I think if you'd rather have that uh, 260-ish to maybe 270 average, you go, you go in Josh Bell's direction. Uh, if you're willing to, you know, chase maybe 40 home runs, you're going to go Reese Hoskins kind of I kind of maybe would like CJ cron here <laughs> you yeah, know because he's in he, area for first he's in Colorado I mean you got half your home games there uh you know your batting average is gonna get you know it's gonna get an uptick just playing in that park he's got the power you know he's another guy that you know he's got to stay healthy and stuff like that but he's a 30 home run guy mm-hmm. and when you can get the 280 average I think that's a that's a hell of a thing I mean 280 and 30 home runs is a very valuable thing in fantasy.
2: 100%. Yeah, I got zero problems with Crohn, that's <laughs> for sure. And um, it's a great spot for first base, and it goes back to what we talked about a while ago, plan your draft out If of- if you know you're willing to take one of these, like, there's like four or five of them kind of close by. If you're, willing to, if you're willing to get one of those, you don't have to take the Freemans of the world and stuff early and you can differentiate your roster real quick.
1: And real quick, I know I didn't give like a definitive answer, you know, Reese Hoskins versus such Bell, but, but I don't have a really definitive
2: there that's why, that's why it's a fun debate because they're like, yeah.
1: Like one of the things I remember when I first got on the air or I first started writing, they are like, well, you, you have to. I'm like, no, don't. Don't. I mean, why? don't. I'm a one. Why would I? Why would I do that? If, if 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 I think they're kind of similar, or if I'm looking for certain attributes, you know, on, on different teams, you know, so I don't think you have to have a clear cut uh, opinion on something where you can no. say. For this team, this makes more sense. In
2: this team, it makes more sense. And that's me. totally like oh, no. that to roster construction and everything <laughs> else. It makes total sense. Like I guess um, I wrote an art. I, I write ADP debates a lot, where I kind of pick a side, but then at the same time, I wrote an article about this area, of first base. I wrote up five of them, and I basically said this is why they're all good in this range. Like pick who you want type deal. So you don't have to like you said say take this one guy. It all depends on what you're doing. Uh, let's hit the second base now mm-hmm. where we have a couple fun ones, depending on if you're a believer or not. We have jazz Chisholm, who uh, is very polarizing. You're either all in or you're all out on Jazzy Jazz. He's going around pick 70, 73. And you got Horry Polanco going like three or four picks after him, give or take. Polanco come off a monster monster 2021 season or 2021 season you got uh, jazz who's got 2020 upside but he strikes out or he swings and misses a ton let's put it that way he's the new Javi Baez so how do you go about these two
1: uh I mean Polanco I I just think is a really good hitter very good player he's got the they both have uh, multiple eligibility which is great uh and I'm not looking at Polanco to repeat last year, but like say 33 home runs, but I think he's a guy that can hit you 270 or better. Hit you 20 plus homers, steal your double-digit bases. You know, that's the key for Polanco with me. He's if he can get that 10 stolen bases again, it's not even the 30 home runs. He's just got to hit, you know, he hits over 20 homers and gets you to the, the the 10 stolen bases with a 270-ish average or more. Uh that's a hell of a play with multiple eligibility. So I'm always probably going to lean Polanco over Jazz, but I'm not averse to Jazz. Uh, he's on a couple of my teams where it, it made sense and it works. I think the key number for Jazz is 27%. If he strikes out 27% of the time, Jazz is going to be useful. Look, he's not going to be uh, – a big average guy. I don't think that's going to be part of his game. I don't think he has to be. I mean, you just don't want to bat 220. He's batting in the 240s, and he's hitting 20 homers and stealing 25 bases. That's that's very doable. I mean, looks like the league average 244. So, I mean, for Jazz, he's going to play every day. He needs to, you know, he, he needs to be at that 27% range. You look at the first two months, like I, I, I think it was Mike Kirkland. We were going back and forth. And he was like, well, that one month where he had like 19%, it was August, it was a small sample. I'm like, yeah, but the first two months, he was like 43% and 37% or something. So you can't say that doesn't matter. And that matters. And obviously 19% is the outlier. But I'm not saying, you know, he's got to be around that 27% range. If he's around that 27% range, he's going to get, he has the plank time. Miami traded... Zach Allen for him, he's a core piece of their team. And you know, he's I, I I think as long as he's healthy, he's gonna put up those those, you know, the home run stolen bases, what 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 you are drafting him for. So for go. certain teams he makes sense for me. He's not a guy that I
2: gotta have though. Yeah, and that's the thing with him is have your batting average kind of taken care of because it is risky with him, as you mentioned. But, like, I'm not as concerned because everyone's like, oh, he strikes out too much. I'm like, yeah, he does. But so there's a lot of players these days. That's just kind mm-hmm. of the new wave of baseball. So you kind of have to adapt a little more where we can't just start looking at these guys that don't strike out. Um, now, if he goes crazy, like you said, back to 35% or something, we're in trouble. That's simple. Mm-hmm. But he's also, like, post-pick 100 with a guy that could legit go 25-25. And there's not many of those. Yeah, so I'm with you on that. A, and it, yeah.
1: m- maybe this people think is a little crazy, but I – I'm really not going to draft Javi Baez this year, but I wouldn't put Jazz on my team. I
2: well, love the, the thing is, I last year I was pounding the Baez the last couple of years, but now his price is higher. Where yeah. Andy and the new ballpark, and there's just certain. I, I don't believe really
1: change till I look. I've, I've yeah. never been. Uh, I'm not really a fan of that profile, as many people aren't. But he's the outlier. He consistently. Yeah. I was wrong last year. Yeah, I, but, was, I was 100 wrong last year. He put up the numbers, and he, you know, he did it again. Yeah, I just. No. I, I think it gets even harder when you got to change the leagues. We've seen players better than him change the leagues and struggle that first year. So, he
2: just got paid. Like we see, Harper did it for crying out loud. Like it's, it's tough to get that new, your feet wet in the new place, especially you haven't even got to see your team yet. Basically, because we're still sitting here doing all this fun, fun yeah. dance. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's head to shortstop. Uh, Xander Bogarts, round pick forty-eight. Lindor, round pick fifty-four. You got Bogarts, who's. You know, as consistent as they come, just doesn't run a mm-hmm. ton, so it's kind of a deterrent for some people. You got Lindor, who used to be like a perennial first round pick, maybe early second. Horrible first season again. You just mentioned new place, changing division. The there we go. But uh, people are hoping for a bounce back, and you get him a kind of a discount this year if you believe it. Yeah, I mean,
1: it, it's easy to say Xander's the safe pick here. You want to, you know, you want to get that twenty five homers or more, a, a, a floor of two eighty. Or better, you know, he can be a 300 hitter, and you know, maybe you know, a handful of steals or a little more. That's the that's the easy winner here. But like I said, I don't have the stats to back it up, or the, you know, I just got the feeling that Lindor is going to be more closer to that MVP style Lindor player. Uh, it's the second year in uh, with the Mets, and if he's in Between, like you got Nemo leading off, who I really love this year. I, I I think if this kid can stay healthy, I think he can do some really good things. But you got Marte ahead of him, you got Alonzo behind him, and I know City Field, you know, is not like the greatest hitters park, as people say. Let's like Pete Alonzo, who can hit that anywhere. But when you're left handed and you can hit it, you know, down the line in City Field, you can hit a lot of home runs there, too. So uh, I, I don't know. It's just if you want to say gut feel, that's what I have on Lindor. I really think you know he could do. You know we can see something kind of really nice this year. Go back to the old Francisco Lindor. I mean that's just me taking the leap of faith, gut thing. The stats don't well, back it up.
2: The thing is we've seen it before, so it's it's like not a crazy leap of faith. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm curious. I'm hoping he does. It'll make that Mets team that's actually spent some money quite interesting. I know you. Would like that as well. So, uh,
1: some best stuff, you know. Yeah. So, we still got
2: to worry about the Grom. If he, if he, how
1: many is he going to oh, pitch man. this year? How many innings is he going to throw? We got Scherzer, who's 38. Carrasco, I like the bounce back appeal here, but he's another risk. And of course, there's the baby goat who I love, yeah. uh, Tyler McGill.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot to like in New York. Let's put it that way. Just don't be the like said,
1: It's the Mets. There's a lot of there's
2: a lot of risk going on there as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it right. Definitely, definitely took place. Uh let's head to the outfield for a few here. We got uh, Tyler O'Neill come off that monster year. Can you repeat? Obviously the heliums there around pick forty. You got Buxton around pick forty-five. Buxton was outstanding before wait for it. He got hurt again, mm-hmm. but uh, we know how good he can be when he's on the field. Would you rather go with O'Neill, who did it done it once, or Buxton, who can't stay healthy? Uh,
1: that is such a tough question. I, mean, I think it's, it's for a lot of people. I think in one of the one of the drafts I was in with Zach Waxman. I think he went Buxton, and I took O'Neill like two picks later. And he was saying like that was you know what he was deciding on, and I would have had the same tough decision there too. Uh, I mean, I, I think O'Neal, you know, I don't think he's going to be batting like 295, but I don't think, you know, look, I, does, does the better pitching in the league own him? Yeah. And that's usually the case, but he's going to, he's going to feast on the, uh, poor pitching, which, you know, there's a couple of teams in the division that have some terrible pitching and, uh, he's got the speed. So I, I think, you know, the power and the speed is there maybe just my love of Buxton. I lean a little more towards him but i I think uh I want to have like you know a couple of shares of each like you know trading off here or there because like I said with Buxton like I said what is it in the last three seasons he has like 684 plate appearance obviously we had the shortened season but you know it's great when he you know what he's been able to do and fulfill it but can he stay healthy
2: yeah it's tough like I've been a lot of O'Neill early but I've been slowly kind of putting some Buxton shares out there, kind of like you're saying, you kind of have a little bit of both because, man, Buxton could really. Yeah, I,
1: I, I think with both these guys and their, you know, their skill sets, it's not a bad idea for diversifying with those two, like yep. having some of each. 100%. And, you know.
2: Let's go a little deeper in the here. Both going around pick 62, give or take. And that is uh, Eloy Jimenez and Nick Castellanos, two guys that we know can rake but don't steal. And Casty doesn't have a home right now. So, like, if he stays at around a Cincinnati ballpark, we're great. If he goes back to say a, a Detroit ballpark, we're in trouble. We've seen Casty's ups and downs, but where do you go with Eloy and Castellanos here? Yeah,
1: man. I mean, for Casty's ups and downs, since he went to like the Cubs and stuff, and then went to the Reds, we've kind of. I, I know he had the one year in in the in the Sprint where the batting average was just terrible, but I think you're going to get the 280. Maybe you won't get as many home runs in different ballpark, but I I still think he's going to be a a productive player. And the thing with Eloy is, you know, like last year, you got to give him a mulligan. I I didn't think he was even going to play last year. I mean, that was heartbreaking. I remember I was on the flight to Vegas when they were showing the – I was looking at my phone seeing what happened to him, that injury when he tried to – Snack a home run he had no shot at <laughs> or whatever. So, I mean, for me, this one's uh, extremely tough because I love the possibilities of Eloy. But, again, it's like it's like the Xander and Lindor one. I mean, Castellanos, you know what you're getting. Uh, I, I think the floor with Castiano, you want to go there. The ceiling with uh, – with elo because I, I just think that lineup is just going to be so good. I, I yeah. think the White Sox are above Very and beyond anybody in that in that division. Um, you know, maybe like a Bieber's back at one hundred percent, like he says. But I don't think the pitching is where the White Sox really fear much pitching in that in their in the, in their own division. And I, I looked at Eloy going into last year, I'll say, it was kind of like Mike Trout without stolen bases. And like Mike Trout don't have stolen bases where, you know, Eloy could be a 280-plus hitter and hit you to 40 home runs. So it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Uh, I mean, I, I'd probably lean Eloy down because I know he's on that offense. But it's another range where if certain pitchers are there, I'm going to take the pitcher too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there are a couple of guys I like there, so I, I've been real cognizant on that. So maybe I thought I'd have more Eloy and Casty, and I, and I do have some shares of each. But if if certain pitchers are there in in that fifth round, I'm also going to go that direction.
2: And that's a great point because I think that's why I have basically neither of these two, because I'm usually going hitter mm-hmm. early and I'm grabbing a pitcher there. That's just the way it breaks out sometimes. It's never about when we talk player shares at the end of the year or something or in the draft season. It's it's not that I didn't like these guys. It's just when you're building your team, there's only so many times you can, you know, do well, I
1: mean breaks. also too, like say you took in the fourth round, you took a Pete Alonzo. It's not as easy to take an Eloy or a Casty. You know, one you probably need, you probably need another pitcher. And now you're taking another guy with no with no speed Thank in the you. first five rounds. <laughs> so I'm just giving a first example as Paul Goldschmidt. No, if, if, if you went that round, and some people won't take the first baseman early, but I'm just trying to give examples of how you have to look at it.
2: Uh, let's go to the mound real quick. You mentioned you have Wheeler as your clear three uh, right now. Wheeler is around pick 23. A pick behind him is Brandon Woodruff. What separates the two so much for you?
1: I think it's maybe just the innings and stuff and you know, the the jump we've seen Wheeler make you know, we've we've seen the strikeouts come and the innings I think is the separator here. I feel more comfortable with him. I think Woodruff's a hell of a pitcher and I, I'd be fine with him. And I think you'll see Wheeler at the end of the first round in the mains. I I I think he's the guy. He's the pitcher that will be in there. I mean, Bueller's got a lot of love. There are people. I mean, I'm I'm a little nervous on on, on Bueller this year. I'm not going to lie. So I really don't have any Bueller. But I, I think Wheeler's the guy that cements himself at at at, at the end of the first for the mains. But I don't think you you know if you ended up with Brandon Woodruff and you didn't get Zach Wheeler and you wanted that starting pitcher, yeah. I have no problem. with it. Uh, the, for me, the separator is. You know, the innings. I mean, Zach Wheeler's become like that, you know, that Iron Man guy over the last couple of seasons.
2: He's he's uh, definitely proven that. That's for sure. So, makes sense. A few more pictures here. Joe Musgrove, Max Freed going both around pick 70, give or take. Uh, Freed had that amazing second half of the season. Musgrove had a better first half than second half. Still good, but kind of some struggles in the second half. I've been team freed the whole time and I'm t- I keep telling myself maybe I'm missing something here. Where do you stand on these two?
1: Uh Max motherfucking Freed. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh look, I mean
1: I, I I think he's a really good pitcher. I don't think uh, I don't really get worried about like hard hit rates a lot with with certain pitches. I don't think it's as sticky. I mean, look at Robbie Ray, the hard hit rate he had last year, he went to Cy Young and did pretty good. But I think Max Freed has a skill of limiting hard contact. And you know, we've seen it time and time again. And I think, you know, he's about 38 and 13 in his last 69 starts.
2: Pretty
1: so good. For uh, Sierra, sub four whip. I I think he pitches, you know, he, he, he got injured with the hamstring last year and stuff. I don't think he had any arm injuries. So it held him at 165 again. He's done 165 twice. He did 165 plus the playoffs. Uh, to me, he's a 180 guy this year. You know, and I, and I think just on the volume, he gets you to 180 strikeouts or so. And if there's any uptick in strikeouts, he can be closer to 200 by season's end. You know, say he throws 190 innings or 184 or something like that. I, I'm just a big Freed guy. Uh, I I like what he does. Uh, I mean, I, there's other pitchers I like that I think he has similar skill sets that he goes, you know, around the two later. So I end up with a lot of, of him. Musgrove's always been a guy I've loved and I've chased and I've always had a lot of shares. I currently own zero Musgrove for the first time in years. It's not that I don't like him. I just like other pitchers uh, in that range. I'll take uh, Trevor Rogers over him every day, Uh, you know, but I, I think in the second half he wasn't as dominant as the first half. Maybe that's me nitpicking. The, you know, the swing and strike rate went went down a bit. You know, he had that elite strikeout minus walk percentage in the first half. He didn't have it there. I, I just I'm not as sure with him. I don't think he's going to be bad, but there's just other pitchers there. Like I'm going to take I said, I'll take a Trevor Rogers over him there. Or if there's a closer still on the board there, that I think you know is pretty much has a solidified job. I'll 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 take him. You know what I'm saying? I'll I'll go that route.
2: So I guess we have a lot of same thoughts on Musgrove then. I I just can't I just I can't I wrap know, my head around it.
1: I, I don't like him. I just I, I don't take him so yep. you know That's I've it. come to that realization that you know I'm not crossing him off on a list, but I really haven't been taken. him.
2: We're on the same page there for sure. Um Alec, or one thing about Freed that I, you mentioned I, I agree with is the way he limits contact. I think people need to start realizing that some guys are just pitchers. He's a yeah. pitch. Like it's not—they don't have to always be a frame thrower that spin rates all this and that and the other. Like so I'm gonna, Tom
1: Glavine did pretty damn well for like twenty yeah. years.
2: That was the comparison I made the other night, just because it was the Braves. like he resembles Tom Glavin just from the left side, painting, limiting damage, and now he's increasing his strikeouts because he's getting like more savvy with his pitch mix and stuff. Like, oh, look, he's this had his pedigree. And yep. I, it was his worst year. It was what
1: he had, he had a four and two ERA or something like that. And, so and I mean, the thing is with I him, because he'll give up five
2: balls, them. he'll have a couple of rough outings. It just well, it'll happen that's just the way the breaks go but like more often than not you'll be okay
1: well i mean that's why i, I love the 162 game season yeah i want the six months yeah. because it usually works out in the end you know definitely everybody even the top hitters they're gonna have a bad month or at least a bad two or three weeks mm-hmm. and pitchers will have you know they'll lose a feel for their slider for like a couple of weeks or something it just happens you know they get, your arm gets tired so that's why the six months and the 162 is so important to me, especially if I'm going to put down some substantial capital on the
2: week. I feel you. Uh, next up here, we have Alec Manoa versus Charlie Morton, the young buck that was just amazing at times last year versus the, the ageless wonder, Charlie Morton with, and his broken leg, but he's just been a machine as well. Both going around pick 92 to 95, give or take. Um, Charlie Morton, and we talk about kind of boring guys you can plug in. He's that guy, but – you got Mano, who's fun. So where do you stand on these two?
1: Yeah, Mano is real fun. He's the sexy pick here, but I'm probably going to take Morton mostly every time. I know he's old, and I'm not really big on older pitches, but I guess I've been more into them the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I don't see how he stopped before a- April 15th, so that helps him with the leg healing. I mean, what he's been able to do the past few years, you know, I – As much as I think, I don't have anything bad to say about Alex Manoa. I just think Charlie Morton's the pick here.
2: That's where I am, too. I have no Manoa shares because either I'm taking a bat at that point in time. I I just. Yeah, I'm taking a bat or I'm taking like a Morton. That's just Mm -hmm. the way it's gone. And uh, I always do get concerned with these young guys. Like, is there an innings limit Not If it's a shorter season that could benefit mm-hmm. uh, i don't think i don't think minnow is too concerned there because he got to throw a ton last year which is huge but yeah. it and always I mean, sits in the back of my mind morton just throws like because the thing with the braves is they have morton and freed and then it's a mess so they need morton to throw that's just the bottom line
1: well i mean it's sexy young arms i mean for me i, I i'll take shane McCann uh, McClanahan McClanahan McClanahan. over Manoa every time as well i mean yeah but I, it's again, it's not saying I don't like Manoa. I don't I don't think he's good. I think he's gonna be a hell of a pitcher. And I could be wrong on that, but that's just you know, from what I'm looking at and from what I've seen and what what I'm projecting for this year, that's just my opinion.
2: I'm with you. Uh last pitcher we have up here, Zach Gallon around pick 127. Bassett, Chris Bassett around pick 130. You got Gallon who the arm issues, but threw the most innings out of anybody in the second half last year. And they got Bassett, who if you talk to, you know, quote-unquote pitching experts, they just are waiting for the blow up to happen with this pitch mix. So how do you go about these two?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say negative things about the Hound because he just, you know, he's been like the Kyle Hendricks of the American League where he keeps beating the expectations and he's even been better as far as like giving you more strikeouts and stuff like that, I'd say. But I'm probably gonna go Zach Gallon here. I'm, I'm gonna take the upside. I I think you know Gallon, as you said, he threw the most innings. He might even throw him like the most pitchers in the second half or something like that. So I, I mean, I don't think it's like a landslide thing. But I'm gonna go Gallon here again. When it's this close, most of the time I'm gonna go with the higher upside.
2: Yeah, like the more I looked into Gallon and people have pointed out the the uh, the the innings and everything else, I become more at least intrigued by him. Because at first, at early early draft season, just looking at the injury, just not touching him. But now I'm much more there, and I love Chris Bassett. I love him, but yeah, no, I mean, and, it, and you can't deny, but you can't deny like what people are saying about the peripheral stuff. Going like you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop.
1: Another key point here where, where these guys go. Uh, what are we talking like ninth, tenth round? I'm trying to
2: think. You know, i I'm, the I'm top of my head, I really don't yeah, know. Yeah, they're, they're about like 125 It's around 10, okay. yeah, give or take.
1: Okay, so in the 12 team, that's like around like 10. 12, 12, so I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, in the in, in 12, excuse me. So, I mean, at that point, you know, these these aren't your anchor pitchers. So that's the other thing you're looking at. You know, maybe if it's your number two, you know, I, I'd be more concerned if I didn't have any, any other starters. I only have like one starter coming into this range. But these guys aren't your anchors. So, for me, like you said, basically for the reasons you mentioned, like I'm not concerned about the injury for all the innings he threw last year. I think right. he was like pounding six innings every time, yeah. basically. And, you know, Arizona needs him to throw yeah. innings. Go. So, at, at this point in, in a draft, I'm going to go with the uh, with the upside there.
2: All right. Let's hit up a listener question here. We got one from Joe G at Joe G414. 12-team Roto League, which set of players would you rather have, Rafael Devers and Brian Reynolds or Jordan Alvarez and Alex Bregman?
1: I saw this question last night, and I think it's a great question. Uh, I mean, I really don't think you go wrong with either way and you fill it in how you have to. Look, I love Jordan. I really do, but I think him and Devers are kind of similar, say, and Devers has third base and probably could steal a handful more bases. So for that there, and I, I think Reynolds is more closer to a three hundred hitter than say Bregman. I do think Bregman could have a nice bounce back this year. So I'm 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 gonna go with uh the Raphael Devers side, which you know, and I said I love your
2: dad, but yeah.
1: I think it's that a, they're getting a third base eligibility there with, you know, say five to seven steals and then getting another like 300 hitter there. So
2: I think the biggest part there is we still don't quite know Bregman's status. I think, like you said, the bounce back could definitely be there, but you can kind of pencil in Reynolds for, you know, 280 to even 300 potentially. Like yeah, you got know, that average. So,
1: probably gonna yeah. get traded at some point.
2: True. <laughs> true, I, mean, true I don't
1: true. Not think it's going to be opening day, but, I mean, the Pirates at some point, if if he's doing what people expect Ryan Reynolds to do, there's going to be a a good team willing to give up some nice prospects with the Pirates. You know, don't no, know about in it. Mode for like ever. So.
2: It's fun. What real quick, since you talked about you do like uh, Jordan and I do too. I think he's just absolutely amazing, and the fact he stayed healthy and gained outfit eligibility is just outstanding. Um, he's not just util only, which was always a debate. But what do you think of the comparisons? I just have to ask because it's probably a dumb question. People said, why draft Vlad in round one when you can draft Yord a couple rounds later? Well,
1: oh, I I mean, I I think first people say first base is so deep. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good first baseman, but I mean Vlad is Uber. Yeah. Uber elite. Like he's the cream of the crop. I mean, those guys don't compare to Vlad. Like there's Vlad and there's like another level. Yeah. To me, I mean, I, I get that if you wanted to go with the but I, I see, I do think your Don is one of the better hitters. So yeah, I think he's a like pure hitter. It's a it's an interesting argument. Uh you know what? I I don't have a problem, you know, taking Vlad in the first round. I'm I really with you. am I've done it, I've done it a couple times. Say it. I'm like, what are you gonna do for stolen bases? And man, maybe it's tough to take your down in the second. But I don't know. If you can figure out your pitching, mm-hmm. I could go Vlad, you're done, and, you know, get that speed in the third round, and then I'm just going to have to figure out my pitching from there. Yeah, yeah. and
2: then I, I, to me, and this could be just people might take us the wrong way, but I feel like if you're worried about taking Vlad early because of the steals, then you have no confidence in drafting steals later. That's well, kind of the way I look at it, but yeah. maybe it's wrong.
1: And, and it, it's tough because the steals do get it rises up, but I don't think there's a, a big difference between Vlad steals and Juan Soto steal. Okay, and when you're taking oh. Vlad,
2: it, it's like Soto or Kyle Tucker or Bryce Harper. Like you're talking what, ten steals maybe, and if you yeah. can't make up ten steals,
1: and if if, if you're like a Whit Merrifield guy, yeah, or something, you know, you you add him to your team, and yeah, you, you know, you pretty much average that out. Just so like I said, what are what are the people like? Toby's drafting, say, two pitchers, right? Yep. He's going pocket aces. He takes the one hitter and it's a catcher. One of the other guys is a catcher. Yep. Right? So he yep. maybe he even has a closer. So maybe he has yep. three pitchers and like JT Ramuto. Yep. So where's Toby getting his speed? You, you oh, yeah. If if you if you subscribe to that. And I, and I like I said again, yeah, Toby's been successful, so he he's kind of playing. It's not like you can't, you know. Make it work. It's
2: very doable.
1: Maybe it's not as easy, you know, starting off with a, you know, a Tatis or a Beau Bichette. Obviously, you, you know, you're banking in those 20 stolen bases more or, or more and stuff like that. It does make it easier. But I mean, I mean, I, like I said, I don't know. If, if I had to start three hitters this year, I'm not afraid to do that. This no. Usually, I, I would be terrified about that.
2: I'm glad that you said that, though, because I think there is ways to build your rosters around it. So that's why I laugh when I hear, like, you can't do this. I'm like, no, you can. You just but I do know
1: say that doing. with caveat. You have to be willing to commit to, like, just pounding pitching at some point for five rounds.
2: Yeah, basically, like, round six or seven on, just go grab, like, your E-Rods and your I Navy mean, Evaldi's and all
1: those things. In the main, if I started three uh, pitchers, I mean, excuse me, three hitters, it's probably that fourth round that I'm going to have. Yeah,
2: even earlier, yeah. You know, okay, like, to try done. to get – well, Nola would be gone, but try to get like –
1: Well, like four of the next five rounds, yeah. you know, pretty much going to be dedicated to, to uh, pitching.
2: It's fun. That's the beauty of this game we play. I mean, that's the beauty of all these drafts is there's different ways to do it. There's not one yeah, set way like you I said earlier. Really
1: Old, know what happened last year. Yeah. You know, I think you got to look at every year a little different. I mean, look at, you know, what trends are starting to form and stuff like that,
2: but, you know. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, on that note, we'll wrap it up, my friend. Mm-hmm. It is always a pleasure sitting and chatting with you. Uh, any final draft talk, strategy talk, anything before we hopefully get a, a settlement and a new CBA to get things going? I mean, draft strategy, do what works for you. It sounds
1: simple. You know, it sounds cliche, but it's really – you. you there's you're, you're not winning by trying to be somebody else or, you know, draft their players. I mean Maybe you get one or two of them, but you're going to have to draft a, f- a full roster. You know, this is baseball. You need 14 hitters, nine pitches and stuff. So, you know, to you and I'm like I said, I'm going to try to remain optimistic for one more day.
2: <laughs> I mean,
1: I feel like a damn fool, but, you know. Suck I, me I, in
2: really every time.
1: I really want to go to Vegas. I really want to see, you know, my, I want to see my friends. I want to hang out. I want to go to dinner draft against them, too. Like it's you know, we're we're friends and we're competitive. Yeah. And it's just a great time, so I'm really hoping, I mean, more than anything, I want the agreement so that happens.
2: Yep.
0: And,
1: you know, good luck to all.
2: I'm with you, my friend, but again, thanks for joining me. Uh, we'll do this again sometime sooner this time around, and we'll get some baseball and talk some players and It's maybe some in-season work or whatnot, but for those that for some reason aren't doing it, make sure you follow Matt Modico on Twitter at CTMBaseball. Always great content coming out there, and at worst, you get to see the amazing, aesthetically pleasing (laughs) draft paper draft results. So... Go check them and the food. My goodness, we didn't even talk about the food, Young Rory. We got a lot we could chat about some other time. Yeah. But we got a lot of things. I kind
1: of do like a smoothie in the morning and like a meal at night, or sometimes you know. So I've I've kind of curbed my appetite, but when I do eat, I eat right. Yes, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. It. I'm,
2: I'm a foodie, man. I love it, and I love Italian food. And you bring it home, obviously. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of that. But again, check them out on Twitter. No, always, always. Uh, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 446, for folks, with the one, the only Matt Modica. Catch you guys later.